You're listening to Tov, a podcast about the good place and Jewish ideas. Hey, it's John Spirosavet and Dan Ross. And hey, I'm back, John. Not only back, (laughs) but we're the ones who started season one, and here we are starting season two. I am very excited about to talk to you about the good place in Jewish ideas again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Brought to you by a tagline. (laughs) So I thought that since we are starting a new season, we should go back to the question that we we asked each other at the start of season one, which is which of the characters of the main characters that we each most like and which do we strive to be like. You said that you were a Michael who strove to be more like an... I think it was a cheaty. Oh, that's right. You said you were a cheaty who strove to be more like an Eleanor. I said I was a cheaty who strove to be more like a Janet. I'm buying you a little time to think. Do you want to? Do you want to stick with those? Well, you know, I, I I love this question again, and I think that I stand by my admiration of Eleanor and desire. But but I, you know, at the same time, especially in taking in Michael's heel turn and they, that he's he's so obviously demonic in this way, like he loves his job so much. And I just want to love my job as much as my, like <laughs> as much as Michael does, <laughs> right? That he, he's just so clearly enjoying trying to figure out how to torment these people. Not that I want to be able to torment people. Not you, that you're I a rabbi. To, you are I'm a rabbi, rabbi, right? And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I want to. I just want to have as much fun as Michael has um, with what he's doing. <laughs> Although he does have his fair bit of frustrations, right? Like the humans, the humans get kind of annoying. <laughs> All right. Well, I've decided I'm going to stick with my cheaty. I don't know if you were a fan of the show MASH back in the day. Uh, no, that's way before my time. Jeff. Way before your time. Wow. <laughs> there was that MASH was for those of the people for whom it's way before your time was a TV show in the 70s and 80s that was uh, was a medical unit in the Korean War. That was the setting. And there was one character who was a Catholic priest. He was the chaplain of the unit. And they did either some documentary episode or actual documentary in which they were talking to the actors and and the actor who played his name is William Christopher said he always thought of MASH as a show about a chaplain in the Korean War even though it's clearly a doctor show and I I feel like even if Chidi is not the main character or the focal character the way Eleanor is I I love the thought of a show built around an ethical philosopher so uh, I think I'm sort of like I think that life is like you know organized around my (laughs) ethical philosophy teaching how if only so i'm gonna stick with michael and you know i'm very tempted you and i both have this soft spot for jason and you know if it weren't such a such a train wreck you know that would be very tempting but i i think for now i will stick with janet also as my striving to be helpful and and with somehow the the knowledge and good cheer to to be to be there for people in an instant wouldn't that be great mm-hmm so so we are looking at the first two episodes here, which were kind of bundled as the, the season premiere of season two, chapters 14 and 15. Everything is great. And uh, you want to give us the summary? Yeah. So the four humans wake up in a second iteration of Michael's bad place experiment with their memories erased and new soulmates. Michael gives the demons a pep talk, but some of them are perplexed by their new assignments. Vicky in particular feels her role 
is too limiting. Janet gives Eleanor the note she had left in Janet's mouth just before the reboot. And Eleanor sets out to figure out what or who a chidi is. <laughs> it's not a soup. <laughs> Eleanor's new soulmate, uh, new soulmate's response to everything is to go and work out. Tahani's soulmate is shorter than she is and has no interest in material things. Jason is paired with a silent monk who never leaves his side. And Chidi is forced to choose between two potential soulmates. <laughs> Michael's plan falls apart as Tahani gets drunk at the opening party instead of Eleanor. And Eleanor confides in Chidi that something is wrong. Eventually, the humans end up together and Eleanor announces her realization that they are in the bad place. Michael decides to reboot once again, but to conceal the foul-ups and new plans from Sean. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. So this is an episode that really I think is doing a lot more plot work to get to get them down the road maybe than than serious character work, but there there is a lot of funny stuff in this episode. I in the in the opening, I maybe I'll grab this clip from the from the recording when Michael is pitching his his idea for the reboot to Sean and and he says, "I won't let you down." And Sean says, "I think you will." <laughs> <laughs> just, in that, just in a perfect like deadpan you voice fail and then Sean, what, you will be retired you will one of the things i was thinking about as i was watching this episode is what it would have been like in the writer's room to how they were you know so thoughtfully thinking of like what soulmates would specifically drive or soulmate related scenarios would specifically drive each of the humans most insane and you know poor Chidi having to choose between two different soulmates poor Jason having this kind of you know, I don't know lame other you know uh lame twin following him around <laughs> like, is so spot on like this is Everything here is small, and I have to wear cargo <laughs> pants. <laughs> and I need all of the tequila shots in order to wear these. And then the shrimp end up in the all the pockets. <laughs> it's wonderful, wonderful. I love that Jason thinks that that yurt is short for yogurt. <laughs> He's yogurt, live, right? Live in a yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> right and you know the the demon who needs to go work out <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the time <laughs> oh man in the show. in the part where eleanor is out in the neighborhood uh, trying to figure out who chidi who or what chidi is and is asking like is there a phone book or something like this and and she says she's gonna go i guess you know talk to people because she uh, you know she loves to talk to people and she says people are like nature's apps <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those lines I wanted to just like push the pause button and like do a little dance jig, you know, when I heard it. I was like, that's got to be one of those things that like take the rest of the day off in the writer's room. Like that's a, that's a line. <laughs> People are like nature's apps. <laughs> Michael says to Chidi, actually, it's kind of clever how they punish philosophers. Every day they make them go to school naked and then they take a test in a class they've never been to. And then they smash them with <laughs> Then they smash them with hammers, and that part is not so clever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, they've had so much fun writing this show. <laughs> you have any other great, uh, great laugh out, laugh out louds? I wouldn't say it was a line so much as it was a, <laughs> a costume element. <laughs> but whoever decided that there was such a thing as the best persons. Sash that poor Eleanor had to wear. I mean, that should have been the biggest red flag right there. In what world, in what world would the good place identify the best person? Yes. <laughs> right? It's like, 
And then you have to give an hour long speech. I mean, no wonder she figured it out in you know the course of a 40 minute episode, right? Like, <laughs> oh man. The, the workout guy, Eleanor's guy, um, is complaining to Michael about his, his job. And he says, I was perfectly happy in my old job in the twisting department. People came in and I twist them until they snapped in half and I move on to the next one. But this job is weird. It's all talk, no twisting. <laughs> <laughs> and everything with Vicky, her needing, uh, her needing a limp. <laughs> Vicky says about, she says, Angelique gets to torture Chidi, I guess. You know, Angelique is a hack. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Michael is saying to Chidi, you once had a panic attack at a make-your-own-Sunday bar. (laughs) Very early in the process. You had to commit to chocolate or to fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Fruit palate. And you wound up with kiwi junior junior mint raisin. <laughs> I would like junior mints and raisins together. I'm not sure about the kiwi. <laughs> no, the kiwi doesn't doesn't quite go. My family uh, will testify to my desire to cover anything with chocolate. Mm-hmm. And mints and to mix and mint definitely mint mint. In fact, I I have taken to every so often putting a a little jar of mint extract in my car so that if I get a a nice smoke somewhere I can just, you know, add a little bit of mint myself. Well, what you wouldn't just get the peppermint mocha sometimes that's not available you know really uh, oh that's a tragedy (laughs) oh i mean nothing makes me happier than uh peppermint mocha season at starbucks it's like you know i i i monitor how many i consume over the month of december like i try not to have more than one or two a week but there's no there's no time during the year where i i more readily commit to drinking as much starbucks as possible as i do during peppermint mocha season <laughs> it's really it's really a highlight of the year it's it's what makes december palatable <laughs> well for me all year is december and i've been, been uh, making my own well you ice them though right like uh, yes yeah i do i do mm. Mm-hmm. So then the other thing, this is like the uh, the great Sean line classic here about uh, we're trying out the new butthole spiders <laughs> when Michael is checking so, in. I think at the end, when Michael is trying to, you know, hide from him the fact that things have gone entirely wrong yet again. So I, I, I one of the things I was thinking about on the rewatch here that I appreciated so much about the show moving forward is just having these perfectly normal people talk in demon speak. <laughs> the guy and at the at the uh, the pep talk at the beginning was like, and biting, right? We're gonna get to bite them now. No, no biting. <laughs> and that would have been funny enough without the lead in with, you know, I think we bit off a little more than we can chew and bite it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a it's an expression. <laughs> so the the first, really, these two episodes and the two that follow mostly do a lot of work to get into the meat of the season two, which I think really picks up later on in terms of like back to philosophy. So so what I want to bring here for a, a teaching to reflect on is, is a bit of a stretch, but it's our podcast and we'll stretch if we want to. I, that's a form of torture, John. Stretch, uh, you know, I'm sure that they're stretching, right? Stretch, yes, of course. It's right there with, with uh, well, twisting. It's, it's right there with twisting. <laughs> so, in looking for kind of a, a big idea, I remembered that there. Here, here's a bit of a stretch, but there is. We talk about teshuva, the 
again to remind all our listeners the important Jewish concept of returning as a mode of, as a way of expressing in Judaism a personal change and improvement. And there's another context in the Torah where we're coming back, and actually that same Hebrew root word comes back, and it is actually in the law of lost and found, of the mitzvah of returning things that are lost. So it's called hashavat aveda. Hashavat is is like the word teshuva. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 22, at the beginning, it says, do not see your brother's ox or sheep stray and ignore them. Return, take them back to your brother. If your brother is not near to you or you do not know whose it is take it into your house and it will be with you until your brother comes looking for it then return it to him you may not pretend that you don't see it so i was thinking about this because partly i wanted to force this in somewhere but then i thought we have this little plot mystery at, that structures the beginning, which is the note that Eleanor has put in Janet's mouth right before the reboot. And so it's something that belongs to her. And I didn't remember it until I, I had to watch it a couple times that it seems to me that Eleanor doesn't go looking for it. And Janet is like, oh, I think I have this thing, which is yours, which kind of sets, mm-hmm. off, the, sets off the whole thing. And then, although this isn't like usually lost and found, which is, oh, thank you for returning this thing, which I knew I lost. Eleanor doesn't realize that she had lost it, and Jana doesn't know what she's found. So part of it is is that kind of discovery. But I this is I have to say one of my own favorite high holiday sermons I ever gave was about this as as kind of a metaphor for things that we lose track of in our lives and thinking about often our lives and maybe the world generally as having everything in it, but just kind of misplaced or in the wrong place. And sometimes people have things that we need that actually they were always, they were part of us, but they've just kind of drifted away. And partly, I guess what happens in the the drama of this double episode is everybody, actually, they lost each other. They had found, they had just gotten all connected to each other at the end of season one, and now they're detached from each other. And the whole thing is, how are they going to, how are they going to get back? And how are they going to, how can they locate one another? And the idea that the mitzvah belongs to the person who has the thing. So again, Janet has this lost object, and she holds onto it for however long in her eternity of going back and forth from her void, and then she gets to she gets to surface it. I, I learned about this as a kind of spiritual concept from Reb Mimi Fagelson at the American Jewish University, who quotes the line from the Aretha Franklin song, which was not originally Aretha. It was Jerry Goffin and Carol King. When my soul was in the lost and found, mm. came around and claimed it. And... The idea that there's some uh, there's someone intermediate whose job it is is to find your soul and then to help you get it back. So, oh, I love that, and I love just what that teaches John about the way that these characters help each other find the lost parts of their souls over the course of their their time together. I think that that's something that you've kind of picked up on here, and that they learn things about themselves from each other with chidi that there's something that he in some sense is looking for his his ideal students who are gonna complete him and i think in this episode when when eleanor does find him and we know that she is his lost object and he doesn't he doesn't even know that it's his and which i think the this in the torah the way it describes is that you might have something and you have to like you don't know whose it is and you keep it with you as long as it takes in a sense until your brother comes looking for it 
and and Eleanor has this persistence in essentially trying to return this return something to him you know because she doesn't know what she has either yeah so no you're not stretching at all and I think that one of the things that I also didn't notice until the rewatch was that the page that she writes the fine cheaty on is from the, the you know the cover page the title page of what we owe to each other the scanlon book and i remember that moment that chidi is kind of realizing that they had studied moral philosophy together in their previous iteration of the good place he's like we got to scanlon we got pretty far <laughs> you know <laughs> in, in my syllabus in my curriculum and your deuteronomy text that you brought on the idea of our obligations to to see another's lost object and to do what we can to take care of it. And that specifically what you said at the very end the, the, of the, the selection, the, the quote that you chose, the verse, the verses is that you can't pretend not to see it. You have to see it. And that's one of the things that we owe to each other, to, to see each other's you know, needs of all kinds. And even if you don't know that it's a need or you don't know who the need belongs to, that you see somebody's lost ox and you know it's somebody's lost ox. So you have the chance to, to, fulfill, a, to fulfill another's need. <laughs> so it's, Chidi says, either we studied, we got really far, or you stole one of my books, basically. And she's like, that, <laughs> that sounds more like me. <laughs> but you're right. It's his, it's, it's right. She has a page of his book that he's, he's missing, even though it's, well, actually, I think it's an important page, even though it's not, it's not part of the argument and that that intrigues him. So the, you know, this got me thinking too, that, that the Talmud says that one of the ways that you would try to return lost objects is to go to the, the temple in Jerusalem on the three pilgrimage festivals. So that would be uh, Pesach, Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And you would go to this place, which is called the Evan To'en, the, the stone for making claims for found objects. And, and you would have to keep going. So the idea is that even, you don't just try once for a little bit, but you have essentially this whole cycle. And that just made me think, oh, there's this, like the party is where, is where the, there, there is this party in the good place. Well, whatever, the bad place, the stage. Is it, is it the, are you, are, are you about to say, John, that the massive shrimp cocktail tower is the stone of lost objects this is the stone in, of lost objects in this absolutely. neighborhood <laughs> yes and sometimes they're hidden inside the shrimp which is why you have to <laughs> eat and disembowel them all you know, in order to, to find but i i don't know those are the festivals that are that were the big party happenings at the most glorious in ancient jerusalem and that's where you would go to proclaim lost objects and to and to look for them so so cool there there's something in the Deuteronomy quote that that I want to bring out, which is that it refers specifically to your brother's ox or your brother's sheep. And I know you'll kind of kindle to this kind of thinking because it's sort of, and maybe actually it'll lead into what what you have to bring us to. That I think about this is not just the 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 literal ox or sheep, but that ox are the the things that give us like power to execute things to execute our plans or magnify our energies and sheep represent either our kind of our nourishment or our warmth you know the the wool that we bundle up in and in a way for each character each of our main characters has somebody else who's kind of their ox who who kind of magnifies their the direction of what they they think they're trying to do in the world and someone who's their sheep you know who kind of makes them them feel good. It's funny for for Jason here in the episode. I think that that's what Janet is like. She's just nice to him, and maybe she's not instrumental to something he's trying to trying to figure out. And for Chidi, Eleanor is like 
you know, is initially just the the ox, like the the way that he's going to see that his teaching is going anywhere. Although later, of course, we're going to definitely get warmth and, and nourishment that way too. Hmm. What do you think, Chidi? What do you think Chidi is to Eleanor? Hmm. That's interesting. I think he's the ox, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything I think to Eleanor at the moment is an ox. <laughs> she's right, right. She's definitely want to bull ahead with whatever whatever she I thinks think, is going on. Yeah. I think that another way another way to think about this though is to understand Michael to kind of be the the ox to all four of the humans mm. in his own way, and then Janet to kind of be the sheep. Like, like, like you that. said, like Janet, Janet will always be there when I say her name, <laughs> unless I forget her name and think she's Janine or Julie or. <laughs> <laughs> Bastille, yeah. so. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Can you imagine if her name were Alexa? How how disastrous that would be in so many homes in America every time. <laughs> I wonder if anyone has programmed their their Alexa to be Janet. To, to, oh, there has to, to, to be somebody who's done that. Yeah, yeah. So you um, want to bring us uh, teaching, Dan? So I I was thinking about plot twists in the in this particular episode. Obviously, the the consequences of the plot twist that the expertly executed plot twist that ends season one. There's a wonderful text in in, in Pure Kea Votes, chapter four one, which is a collection of of teachings of rabbinic teachings, and this one is is in in the name of Benzoma. So Benzoma said, "Who is wise? He who learns from everyone. As it is said, from all who taught me, I have gained understanding. Who is mighty?" He who subdues his evil inclination, as it is said, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Who is rich? He who rejoices in his lot. As it is said, you shall enjoy the fruit of your labors, you shall be happy, and you shall prosper. You shall be happy in this world, and you shall prosper in the world to come. Who is he that is honored? He who honors his fellow human beings, as it is said, for I honor those who honor me but those who spur me shall be dishonored. So I love the plot twisty nature of this text. You ask the question, it starts with who is wise? And the answer that you expect, for example, would be from a rabbi like Benzoma would be, well, well, me, I would describe <laughs> me as wise, right? Or I would describe, you know, if we had to come up with a, a platonic ideal of a wise person, we're, we're thinking of, you know, wizened old face with gray hair, or, you know, maybe a beard or, you know, soft eyes or whatever, who is strong. You're thinking of someone incredibly muscular, like, like Eleanor's new, new soulmate, right? The one who runs <laughs> off to the gym in a moment's notice, who is rich, a person who is, is rich and who is honored. Well, you know, somebody who is, is elevated in status, like the president or the head of the, you know, head of the rabbis, right? The Nasib. And instead, we have these inversions, all grounded in, in texts from the Bible, from Psalms, from Proverbs, from, from the prophets. And I was just thinking about what, what is the nature of kind of the plot twisty way that these characters interact with each other and how they are all inversions of, of different ideals. So one of the things you and I were talking about before we hopped onto this episode was the idea that Eleanor is the one who figures who figures it out, right? Who figures out, and would we have thought that Eleanor is the is the right character who you know who's going to figure out? But also, I think that a part of this is, uh, at least in terms of Eleanor, 
is that, and, and, and Michael brings us up in this episode, is that Eleanor and Jason are, are meant to think that they are mistakes and don't belong in the good place. Whereas Chidi, and, until the part where uh, Chidi is talking about getting to have breakfast with Kant yeah. and then <laughs> dinner with Kant again <laughs> to continue their conversation and realizing that all the philosophers should have been a real tip off to Chidi. Yeah. <laughs> that he was not the good place, but whatever. Um, so I think that what we see here also is the way that these characters all embody these, these texts, right? How their, you know, their, their wisdom is increasing because they're learning from each other. Their strength is increasing because they're learning to control the urges that ended up causing them to be in the bad place in the first place. They are gaining in, in, their, in their joy and their richness because of the time that they get to spend with each other. And the, ultimately, the thing that they're learning is that moral excellence comes from honoring other people, mm. from, from having a collection of people who you admire and respect and who push you. So I, I think that this is a really nice text to bring as we're, as we're reflecting on what's going to happen as, as part of the consequences of this plot twist in, in The Good Place. I think you very much have to now figure out how to make a Benzoma meme of these four because... Oh, is, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about Tahani, who is rich and, you know, who is happy with her, her lot. And she is so, you know, disturbed by the, was it Tom, Tomas? Is that his name? His Tomas, lack, yeah. lack of interest in, in material things. And his line to her, which I love, your sister is Camila Al, Camilla Al-Jamil. I used to play her music for my patients. At times it felt like Camilla's songs were curing the malaria for us. <laughs> <laughs> And then she has this uh, this neat uh, when she has her drunken speech at the party, which is like, "You all look so beautiful tonight with your regular sized pockets and, and regular sized soulmates." <laughs> but I think that's very much yeah, that's exactly what what Tahani's thing is, and the who is wise, which is which is Chidi's challenge, as you're saying right there. And I think we already saw about him that he. He is so deepened, not just from Eleanor, but I think particularly, like even him from Jason as well, I think we know along the way, really learning from learning from every person. And of course, the ultimate learn learning character as the show progresses, with a little bit of a, a spoiler hint here, is, is Michael, hmm. who learns to love human beings in spite of the fact that he's a demon. You know, you mentioned the thing about who is honored. And I think that that one is about Jason a lot, who, mm. you know, the, the more they rag, the more the rag on him, you know, both the other characters and I think just the show having fun with him, the, the more little moments they give him of being the one who speaks these pure truths. And, mm. and who seems to look up now, I think Jason's problem is he looks up, he looks up to everybody else. And he also looks up to, to ridiculous people. There's literally nobody who Jason does not admire, I think, because of their capacity to destroy things or steal things or <laughs> anything like that. But I hadn't thought about that. Often we when we quote that, that teaching, Dan, we usually stop, I think, before the one about honor i might be it might be wrong yeah no i think that it's it's very often truncated at the, at the who is wise a person who learns from everyone and it kind of builds as well in an interesting way to to think about if we were to talk about what's given priority here this last idea of 
figuring out how to honor other people is actually the one that's given the primacy of the the sort of the mic drop moment here. Like the Mike Sure drop. <laughs> the Mike Sure drop, right? <laughs> Not the idea of wisdom is taking preeminence in the, you know, rabbinic idea of virtues. It's actually not wisdom. It's, it's honor and it's specifically honoring other people. Well, and, glad... uh, yeah, go. No, no. I'm glad you said that because I mean, it does, it does frame the, the issue of the good place and who gets to go there is who's worthy of honor mm. Mm. and all the external trappings of honor and the fancy party compared to, you know, the Eleanor's ridiculous house where people often go to gather, which doesn't, which also, you know, turns out to be in many ways the nerve center of of where people grow and learn much more than the the fancy well, party. Something that you also just kind of made me think about and reflecting upon this text a little bit more uh, is the idea again, you know, that it builds towards honor. And so, one of the answers to the question about who is honored is you could say, "Who is honored? Someone who is wise. Someone who is rich. Someone who is mighty." And we actually already have the answers to, according to the rabbinic imagination, who a wise person is, who a rich person is, who a mighty person is. But no, no, it's not one of those things. <laughs> it is someone who who has the decency towards other people is the person who is deserving of honor. Which is interesting in the, in the sense that in the world of the the orchestrators, the, the demon world, we have Janet, who in a way is at the top of that ladder. She really honors everybody and it really in this episode it's her instinct for honoring people that leads her like she doesn't really think about the master plan at all maybe she can't even though she's got presumably all the knowledge necessary like she gives this thing to to eleanor that she needs she she shows up she doesn't judge the request that people make while they're trying to figure things out she just is there to 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 serve them and to be nice to them and on the other side, you have, you know, the, the demons as a whole and Vicky, who I think is the other kind of motor of things because she's all about, you know, I'm, you know, I need to shine. I need to be the one, you know, I'm a, I'm a Ferrari and you don't leave a Ferrari in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Angelique is a hack. <laughs> yeah, Angelique is a and which is going to drive so much of the, I think some of the uh, the clever plot turns, at least, if not actual twists. I love that you characterize this Benzoma as a plot twist. And because you're right, I guess if we think about this, the show, the real twist came in just the last few minutes of the episode that ended the previous season. And now we get, so this really is the playing out of that twist, but it has its own twist. Like if you were going to figure out, okay, how are they going to do the season premiere here? I'm not sure that I would have come up with anything like this, you know, in a way it's a twist that twists back. I mean, Michael thinks he's heading off in a, in a new direction and yet he just ends up in the same starting point where he is. Hmm. A twist that twists back. I like that. A twist that twists the twist back. I think that season two is a lot about drawing out these four ideas and, and how to make judgments about them. This teaching of Benzomas will certainly continue to pay off. So one of my congregants and artists and craft maker named Karen Herman a number of years ago made a Benzoma doll that I could use in teaching kids. It would be something that you hold on to because who's the one who's wise, the one who learns from, from every person, and that it would be the thing you hold when you're trying to get the kids to stop talking so that they can listen to someone else talking, and that we would pass Benzoma around. So I will take a, a picture of this and put it in the, the show notes. I love. I oh, that would be so Benzoma. fun. 
Well, thanks, Dan. I think we're going to have a great season two here on the podcast, just as the, the show had a great season two. And looking forward to talking to you more about it. Oh, man. All right. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure. So that's all for now. And what a great launch for season two. If you're listening to these right as they're coming out, our next one is dropping out of sequence so we can do an episode in time for the Jewish festival of Purim, which we celebrate by dressing in costume. So we're doing chapter 24. If you're listening to these later and the time of year doesn't matter, you'll be able to skip over that one and listen in good place order if you want. I'm John Spira Savet at RabbiJS3 and RabbiJohn.net, and occasionally on TikTok at RobJohn. And Dan Ross is on Instagram at RAV underscore WOD with his Jewish named and themed workout videos. If you're enjoying the podcast, definitely subscribe, tell other people about it, give us a good rating, and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TovGoodPlace. You can find show notes and other resources on our website, tovegoodplace.com. I want to say thank you to my home base, Temple Beth Abraham in Nashua, New Hampshire. We're on the web at tbanashua.org. If you're in the area or passing through, check us out or join us online from anywhere. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. Now go learn more about something good. Bum, 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 bum.